Take your copy of God's Word and turn to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. I was thinking a moment ago as uh, John came and shared our offertory prayer, I am very grateful that he was able to keep his testimony at the Tech game last night. You know, you think about that sometimes, right? Like I go to Tech games and I see many of you all, and I see you outside the church context. And that's interesting. You're a little different than you are in church. And I often pray for your testimony when I see you. And I am so thankful that the Lord allows us the testimony that we have and we can keep it. See, see, we can keep it. There are some Sundays John couldn't have prayed on Sunday morning after he had done what he did on Saturday night. But I am thankful that he was good last night. Well, God's called us to be about his mission wherever we are. He's called us to be about his testimony, to demonstrate his lordship to other individuals. And this year in our church's life is the core value of hands-on missions. That's our emphasis this year of where we are hands-on, where we are out not only here at church, but we are out in our community and in the world, and we are making a difference practically. And we've seen that in Jesus' life. You see Jesus going about his ministry and literally touching individuals' lives and hearts wherever he would go. And once again, you see an example of that as Dr. Luke reminds us of Jesus' ministry. And in verse 12, he says, And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. And he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed immediately. The leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Now, this is just another snapshot from Jesus' life, a snapshot that we've, that we've seen time and time again of where an individual will come to Jesus and ask for healing, ask for intervention, and Jesus will respond with that healing touch, with that hands-on missions approach. In this case, the Scripture records how this leper, an individual that had been socially, physically isolated from the community, an individual who had been psychologically impaired because of all of the issues that he had faced, he comes to Jesus. He's heard of Jesus. I mean, the word is spread about how Jesus can do these miracles. This leper comes and he says, Lord, if you would, if you would, if you would just work in my life and change me and bring healing to me, it would be done. And in one word, Actually, in the Greek, one word, he looks at this individual and he pronounces healing. And all he says to do is to go, just as Leviticus 14 would command, he would go and show himself to the priest so that he could be examined and determined to be clean. It's a wonderful event, a wonderful story again of the healing authority and power of 
Christ. But I want to show you in verse 16. I want to maybe bring your attention there for just a moment. Because in the midst of this great moment of where Jesus had touched this individual's life, and as he had commanded him not to tell anyone except the priest, the word had gone out. And people had heard about Jesus and they were flocking to Jesus and and, and they wanted to see Jesus and they wanted him to intervene in their lives. And it says in verse 16, so he himself often withdrew. Some of you have the New American Standard and it says something like to slip away. He withdrew or he would slip away into the wilderness and pray. Now, I think that's a nugget of truth that's sandwiched sandwiched on each side by the busy work of Christ. I mean, it's just a nugget of truth that should speak to our lives. It says that as all of this is going on and Jesus has been out ministering and all the things were happening, he realized that he had to slip away, he had to withdraw and pray. Now, basically, I'm going to give you one basic truth today, okay? I want you to write this down. One basic truth. You ought to be able to keep up with this one, right? Finally, one of Dr. Reggie's sermons you actually understand. One basic truth. This is what God has called us to do from time to time in our lives. This is what we should do. Slip away and pray. Slip away and pray. It says Jesus would slip away. He would withdraw. He would find a place and he would pray. It is a challenge to us to slip away and pray. Now, in the beginning of this, I want you to know that that very truth, that that very experience, it it flies against, it runs against societal expectations. What do I mean by that? I mean that we as a society, we're busy. And we actually value busyness, do we not? I mean, for us, busyness is equivalent to productivity. If we're busy, that means we're producing things. If we're busy, it means we're worth something. If we're busy, it means we're accomplishing our mission. And when we're not busy, it's as though we feel guilty, right? Maybe not all of us. But a lot of us, yesterday, for example, I was going into Upward and I I saw a couple and I spoke to them and I was speaking to the wife and asking her what she was going to do because for some, this is a holiday weekend um, with President's Day and uh, in South Louisiana, they have another thing going on. Um, We don't talk about it up North Louisiana, but anyway, it's going on down there. And uh, I asked what they were going to do, if they were going to go away since their kids were out of school. And they said they were. And I said, well, that's great. That's awesome. It's wonderful. And the lady looked and said, yes, but there's so much I should be doing. I just feel so guilty about going. I said, you feel guilty about going? Yes, because there are things. And she began to talk about all the things she could be doing at the house and all the things she could be doing here. And and, and she just kind of felt bad. Have you ever had that kind of moment before? Because if you stop and just kind of, even if you stop and sit down and just rest for a moment or just, I mean, you're not having anything to show for it. Right? 
And that's the way our society has informed us. That, it, that you can't just maybe slip away and pray because you've got to be busy all of the time. We even find our identity in busyness. We find our identity in busyness. Ask somebody how they're doing and what's going on in their life and they begin to just list. And I do too. You do as well. We begin to tell people all of the busy things we are doing because we find our identity in those busy moments. This gives us value again. It gives us worth because we have done so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so this week, and we're about to do so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. I say to you that this very idea of slipping away and seeking the Lord flies against the expectations of society. We even come up with little games we play in order to save time so that we can be busier at other times. May I confess to you this morning, I know exactly, after a year, I know exactly which lane to take when you leave the church and you finally get across the intersection and you make it to 167 and you head north, I know which lane to take to get to my house faster. You stay in that left-hand lane because if you stay in the left-hand lane, oh, it'll look like you're going to be behind. But you'll catch up because once you get to that Super 1 traffic that's out there, oh, you'll pass them in a heartbeat and you'll just smile and... Wave at those people as you go by that thought they had you. Come on, I'm not the only one, folks. We come up with these little games to save time so we can get home and what? Be busy again. We do it. Sometimes in the, in the grocery store, may I admit to you, I'll look and I'll see which lane that I think is going to be the quickest. I'll get in that lane. I'll mark somebody else over in that other lane just so that I can see if I beat them out the door. That's the way we're wired. It's the way our society is wired. Now, look, Jesus was busy. He took care of the things that he needed to take care of. He was busy. I mean, here in verses 12 through 15, 12 through 14 in particular, he is healing a leper. Later on in verses 17 through 26, he is taking care of the paralytic. Earlier in, in Luke, we have seen where he would devote extra time after the Sabbath had ended just to minister to other individuals. He was selfless. He was busy. He, he was about the business of God. He certainly was. But as someone has said, he was never in a hurry. He was busy, but not hurried. He was intentional in his ministry. And he knew there had to be moments where he would slip away. Moments where he had to withdraw. But again, Brother Reggie, I'm so busy. Jesus had more work to do than any of us in this place. Jesus had his own purpose to fulfill before the Father. And yet, he found time to slip away. Now, for physical and spiritual 
energy and refreshment. I believe both physically and spiritually he needed this, physically to withdraw. I mean, as his fame was going out, there were more people that were coming and many of them were trying to proclaim him as the Messiah when it was not the time for his Messiahship to be proclaimed in such a public manner. That's the reason he had said, don't tell anyone. And yet here they're coming and they're almost worshiping him at this point. And he's trying to say, hold on just a moment. Don't tell everybody, my time is not yet come. So he withdraws. I'm reminded that Jesus, he grew tired. He did. Don't forget the humanity of Christ. Yes, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human. And he was tired. And he had to withdraw to rest physically and to recharge spiritually. Sometimes that goes hand in hand, doesn't it? To rest physically, to be spiritually recharged. I'm going to tell you, I'm a much better Christian when I am rested. Let's say, for example, you decide to call my house. Do not do this. But decide to call my house at 3 o'clock every morning for the next week. For the next week. I will tell you, and my family will attest to this, that by Friday I will not be a good Christian. Because sometimes, physically, we, uh, we are tired and exhausted. We need rest. Someone has said that we need to come apart before we come apart. And Jesus would withdraw. So, Recognize that you run against the social expectation when you simply uh, slip away and pray. You run against that expectation. So many of us, we think of so many things that we could be doing. What well, can I really afford to stop and, and, and rest and pray? My answer would be, you cannot afford not to. We must learn to do it. And you have to do it intentionally because the expectation says that you don't, so you have to do it intentionally. When you look at this specific passage in verse 16, it's as though he would constantly do it. This is present tense. He would, present tense, withdraw um, in a continual matter. The sense here is that he would change locations. And some people would say that it, that it implied a considerable distance that he would put between where he was and where he wanted to be, a considerable distance. He would withdraw. He would slip away into the wilderness. And he would do it continually. You'll see in Jesus' ministry that he have those moments where he just, he just would slip away. Uh, physically, he would slip away. And again, spiritually, Socially, socially, he would slip away. It says, into the wilderness. I studied that word wilderness, and you would think it would just be a straightforward word, like just it's wilderness. But sometimes it can mean desert, of course. You know, wilderness, desert. The idea there in Israel, it can speak to the environmental setting that he's in. But did you know it also can mean something like lonely place 
because it doesn't communicate so much to the environmental setting as it does to the social setting, that it's a lonely place, that it's a place where he is removed from other social relationships. He's just, in other words, by himself. You have to intentionally do that, don't you? Again, especially in the world in which we live. Now, I, you know, I love relationships. I, I thank God for the relationships that he has given us. Um, you probably can tell I love to talk. I love to visit with people. That's wonderful. But there needs to be a moment where you can get alone by yourself with God. You need to remove yourself. Sometimes it is to a different physical location and it is a place where you can be socially isolated from other individuals. Jesus would slip away. He would withdraw. He would go away from everybody else to be alone. No people, listen to me, Listen, this is an amen moment. No phones. Place where you just allow your mind to focus on the Lord. Now, again, I like to be active. One of my favorite vacation destinations, as you know, Disney World. We go to Orlando, we get ready. We drive down usually on a Sunday afternoon. It's going to happen this year. It's going to happen this year. Amen, Leslie. Come on, Leslie. <laughs> We're going to go down this year. We'll get there on Sunday evening maybe, a little late. We'll get up in the morning. We are there when the park opens. All right? There when the park opens. We do not go back to the hotel room until the park closes. No, we don't do that. There's no napping on this trip. Now, I love napping. But Disney is not the place to nap. You go. And you go. And and if you cry, that's fine. You'll like it when you cry. You're in Disney World. It's the best place to be. All right? It's what I tell my kids. So I love those kind of moments. I'm active. But may I tell you one of the best things that ever happened to me was about two years ago and happened to to me and Leslie, we decided that we would go on like a cruise. Now, we'd been on one before, and she knew I hated it because it wasn't active enough. I was just kind of sitting around. Again, I felt like I wasn't accomplishing anything. I felt like I needed to be about doing other things. So I came in one day, I looked at Leslie, and I said, I think we need to go on a cruise. She said, what? She said, you hated that last one we went on. I said, I know, but I got to get away. We've got to just go. A cruise is one of the most financial, financially responsible ways of going, maybe. In other words, it's cheaper than other ways. So we could just go. We go to New Orleans, go out. and Well, but you, I said, I just need to go. We went. I took my phone and I put it in the safe. Now, when you're out there, you know, uh, you really can't just make calls. One, you don't have the accessibility. And the other, if you do from certain places, it's like $8 an hour, right? 
We went on our first cruise when Abigail was about 18 months old, something like that. And Leslie kept saying, I want to call my baby. I said, buy her a dress. It'll last longer. Three minutes. On the phone, you could buy a nice dress in Mexico. So I didn't want to call. I put that phone. We did not. I didn't take a phone call, an email, a text message for a week. It was one of those moments where I just stopped. Leslie, I'll tell you, we read. We um, just rested. One of the best moments of my life. Disconnecting. Jesus went out and he disconnected. He went into the lonely place. He went into the lonely place. He slipped away and he had to do it intentionally because the world would have kept pressing on him. The crowds would have kept coming, the, the efforts, the needs. Oh, but again, Brother Reggie, there's so many things that I've got to do. There were so many needs that Jesus had to address, but he knew he had to slip away. And Dr. Luke reminds us that he went against social expectations and he would slip away. He would withdraw intentionally. Get this. To commune with the Father. It was slipping, he was slipping away, but it was with the purpose of praying. Now, again, we love just to get away and rest. Those are good moments. But there should be specific moments as well where we go and we are connecting with the Father. That he would pray. Again, present tense, it was an ongoing state of prayer that he was in and he would intentionally do this we should not be surprised because this is a lucan emphasis if you look through the gospel of luke he will emphasize the prayer life of jesus when jesus is being baptized he's praying here he's praying when he selects his disciples he's praying he prays in the garden of gethsemane he prays over and over and over that's is that not astounding to us? I mean, here's Jesus. He's God. And yet, he believes it is significant for him to pray to the Father. All the fellowship in the Godhead, the unity of presence and the unity of purpose within the Godhead between the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Son wanted to continue that sense of communion with the Father. He had been with the Father for all of eternity. They had shared the same mission and priorities and purpose. And now while he is on earth and he is walking around in flesh, he is still wanting to continue that sense of communion with the Father. And he knew he had to stop and he had to relate to him. It is a challenge for us. Because in those quiet moments, in the lonely place, when we intentionally withdraw or slip away, we have an opportunity to focus upon the relationship between us and the Father. In that quiet moment. I'm not saying that our relationship can't be built through busy ministry, relationship can be built. But a deep relationship 
can only be built through going to the Father in a, in a lonely place and communing with him. Allowing all the other distractions to be removed so that you can pray. Solitude. It can be a frightening idea for some of us. But as someone has said, solitude is imperative to the spiritual life. You cannot be spiritual and have a spiritual life without a moment of solitude in your life. It is a moment. It is a moment, as someone has said, that you are able to remove the scaffolding of your life. The props of your life. The things that you are so dependent upon, even in relationships, that you are to remove yourself from those scaffoldings so that you can come and you can recognize your one true dependence upon God the Father. And you can commune with Him and fellowship with Him. He wants to have a moment where He has your undivided attention so He can inform you, so He can lead you, so He can guide you. Now, sometimes it's difficult for me and Leslie to have a private conversation. Four children, a lot of church folks. I think sometimes my, my mother even has our house bugged. It's hard to have a private conversation. But she would expect me at some point to talk just to her. She would expect, I would expect her to speak to me and for us to communicate. And for us to share things we might not be able to share in the congregation or with the children. Some of, our, some of our difficulties, some of our challenges, some of our wins. I say to you, if that's what your spouse would require, don't you believe that the God of heaven who has loved you and saved you, that he would not want you to come before him and speak simply to him, not to everybody else, to him and allow him to speak to you solitude as william penn has said it's the school the school which no one cares to sit in or to learn from and yet there's no better instructor than simply sitting by yourself alone and communing with god Praying. Praying what? Prayer is just talking to God. That's all prayer is. I mean, I know we try to make prayer so many. Prayer is just talking to God and fellowshipping with Him and sharing with Him your heart and allowing then Him to speak to you. Jesus would withdraw. He would do it in a Continual way. It's as though he developed a habit of it. He would withdraw into the wilderness, the lonely place, and pray. May I challenge you this day? I said to you there's just this one truth. But it is such a powerful truth. And if enacted, it is a truth that can be life-transforming. A truth, a challenge... For you to slip away 
and pray. Practically this week. Practically this week. I want to encourage you to find you a place. And some of you, you already have a place. It's a place where you can go in your house. It's a place sometimes where you remove yourself and you go for some distance. But you have a place. You need to have one, a place that is a regular place that you can go to immediately. You need to have a place that you can sometimes just go to for a weekend. Find you a place. And let's say this week, you find a place where you can go immediately. And and let's say for 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, you commit to slip away and pray. Just 10 minutes a day. Some of you look and say, well, that's not much of a standard there, Dr. Reggie. I give 20 or 30 minutes. Praise be to God that you give 20 or 30. Don't scale back, okay? Not saying that. But do you recognize there are so many in this place that they've not taken one minute, much less 10? And I'm one of these guys that learned some years ago from John Ortberg's comparison of trying and training. You have to train yourself, and you need to start in small increments. It's kind of like this. Some of us, we want to run a marathon, right? Never mind, I don't. But some of you do. You want to run a marathon. Well, you don't go Monday morning, tomorrow morning, and say, well, you know, I'm preparing myself to run a marathon. I'm going to run six miles today. You didn't do that. You know what will happen? You'll become so frustrated, you'll give up. You'll never make it to the marathon. And some of you will leave this place and say, oh, that was an awesome, I mean, it was an awesome message. I'm on fire. I want to slip away and pray. And I'm going to do it for an hour each day. So you'll go and you'll get frustrated because you didn't even give, you didn't even start with 10 minutes. You decided you'd just start with an hour. And you'll grow frustrated. Do something that is attainable now. And build yourself up and find more time. Intentionally slip away and pray. And I really do believe this, that if every one of us in this room this day would give at least 10 minutes a day, we would see God building us. We would see God communicating even in a greater way to us. And we would see his people continue to experience transformation as we slip away and pray. Join me now as we speak to God. Father, we thank you for your son that you sent to us to provide for us life and salvation. And we thank you that in that process of his ministry, he also demonstrated to us what it was like to just find a place and Lord build that relationship that he had with you and God I pray you challenge us through this today that this day and tomorrow that we would take intentional time to cultivate our relationship with you there's so many distractions so much busyness around us Father I pray that you would remove those In certain moments this week. And Lord, allow us to draw upon your strength. Your guidance. 
God, speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?